You are welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor T.B. Peters, the President of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Taking the message of faith around the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Timothy 2 verse 4, it says, Who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. That means that salvation is coming in through the doorway. But God wants you to come into the knowledge of the truth. And these meetings are bringing you into the knowledge of the truth. Hallelujah. Don't be like those spoken about in 2 Timothy 3, 7. It says, ever learning, never able to come into the knowledge of the truth. That means coming into the knowledge of the truth is the essence of this thing. That you cannot enjoy what Jesus did for you if you don't come into the knowledge of the truth. And on the first day up till yesterday, you were coming into the epignosis. The full, exact, precise knowledge of what Jesus has done for you. It's not guesswork. Now you know. Amen. See, Christianity is not just about embracing do's and don'ts. It's coming into a realization and walking in the consciousness of that realization. Thank God I'm a child of God. Glory to God. He said, behold, what manner of love. First John 3, 1. The Father had bestowed on us that we should be called. See, that, that, that kind of name, that responsibility, that right was preserved. Israel didn't have it. The Jews didn't have it. But I have it. I am called a son of God. Hallelujah. Beloved, now we sons. You don't know the appear what shall be. But when we see him, we shall be like him. He said, as he is, so are we. We are sons. We are not slaves. Paul was writing, he said, look, 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 be not entangled again. With the yoke of bondage. Amen. Alright? Don't be entangled again with that, with that idea that you are a slave. Can I start? Glory to Jesus. I prayed before I came. Or for your benefit, Father, so that they will know that I prayed. We thank you for understanding. We thank for the sick receiving their healing. We thank you for spiritual alignments taking place all over this building. In homes, in businesses, in families, in churches, ministries, organizations represented here. I stand in the office that you've called me to. And I minister as you grace me. In Jesus name. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Well I like to start by saying this. You know most of the time. You hear Paul. Writing to the churches. Paul wrote. Um, two third of the New Testament. And when Paul was writing. He will always. Apart from maybe a few of the books. Perhaps maybe Hebrews. He will always introduce himself. 
And he will say, Paul, sometimes a servant of Jesus Christ or an apostle. And why was he doing that? Because there was something about recognizing his office. There was something about recognizing the office that he stood in. And so Paul emphasized that when he was writing to the churches. I don't think Paul always introduced himself on the street as Apostle Paul. But whenever he was writing to the churches, he wanted them to receive him as a sent one. Hallelujah. And to know that he is a gift to them. So that emphasis. I believe Paul learned that from Jesus. Jesus, in his first documented message, which we find in Luke chapter 4, the Bible says, Jesus announced to them in the synagogue. He said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he had anointed me. Amen. And um, the great man of God, Ken Ehegin, was teaching one time. He had a revelation. And he said, the Lord told him that every time he preached, he said that before he preached. Amen. Glory to God. Meaning that he had to uh, make sure that the people received him. You know what really hurt the Jews and offended them? Was that Jesus claimed to be deity. Amen. When they know where he was born. Amen. They know his mother. Know his brothers. He claims to be deity. That's what offended them. But it didn't change the fact that he's deity. He's Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thousands of years have passed and he's still Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. So what are we doing here? We are receiving light. And it's important for me to also emphasize that we didn't learn what we're doing. It doesn't mean that we were not thought. No. What I'm saying is that we're not standing on the platform of training. We're standing on the fact that we're called of God. And we're saints. Amen. Glory to God. And this evening receive me as someone sent to bless you. In the name of Jesus Christ. And it makes a world of difference. So I like to say this. You know, 21 years ago, August the 29th, 1996, The Lord spoke to me about what I'm doing today. And one of the things he said clearly to me was, teach faith. Glory to God. At that time, he said, there is a lot about faith that people have not yet understood. And I was wondering, what will somebody not understand? Ken Hagen has taught it all. Amen. Well, I didn't think so 21 years ago. 
in recent times have seen and understood what he was talking about. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he said, prove the integrity of my word. So in our ministry, the word of God is taught and it is proven. Amen. The Lord gave me a script and he gave me a rod. And in these meetings, he said to me that while you are opening the script, there will be manifestations of the rod. So listen, it's a teaching meeting. Receive. Glory to God. Are we together? And all we've been talking about here is Jesus. Glory to God. Are we together? And any time we talk about Jesus, you see what you didn't know before about Jesus. Glory to God. How many of you did the blood ritual yesterday? Amen. Kai, you have looked for trouble. You know, I started to share on something else because most of the time, the night before, I would have to wait for what he wants me to teach. And um, I wanted him to go that way. But he said, stay with the blood today. So I'll stay with the blood. Amen. Alright? Praise the Lord. It's just that I might be faster than I was yesterday. Hallelujah. So I'm ready to take off. You know, the scriptures will be coming out like 140 per minute. You understand that? But flow with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Let's start with, for the benefit of those of you that today is your first day. Amen. I started something that we can all because if we just start from calculus and you've not done arithmetic, amen. <laughs> you say, what's dy? Amen. So, let's start somewhere. This gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul made a statement in Romans 1.16. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The first thing we see there is that Paul was talking about something specific. He didn't say, I'm not ashamed of a gospel. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. That means there are not two. Glory to God. There are not two. It is the gospel. It is the gospel. There are not two. And if someone had preached to you a gospel, today you're going to hear the gospel. Hallelujah. When we say the gospel, we're talking about the gospel of Christ. Now, in that Romans 1, 16 and 17, he began to open to us what the gospel does. Hallelujah. Put it up. He says, for, no, go back to 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is. That gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That gospel is what? It's the power of God unto salvation. You know, years back, we used to think this way. And we, what we used to think is that the topic you are preaching in the Bible is what will determine the manifestation that will happen in the church. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true. Let me explain something to you. The gospel, hallelujah, contains everything the sacrifice paid for. 
That is why the Bible told us in Acts chapter 14, from verse 6 to 9, it says that Paul went to Lystra. And while he was in Lystra, there was a man that was impotent in his feet. And Paul was preaching what? The gospel. And the man had faith to be healed. Years back, we used to think Paul was talking about healing. No. Paul was talking about the gospel. There is healing in the gospel. Paul was talking about the gospel. Are you understanding me? So anytime the gospel is preached, souls get saved. Anytime the gospel is preached, people get healed. Anytime the gospel is preached, prosperity breaks forth upon people. Anytime the gospel is preached, liberation comes. Why? Because that gospel is the power. The gospel is the power. The gospel is the power. The gospel is the power. Anytime the gospel is announced, the power is released. So it means that every child of God is supposed to know what the gospel is. Because if you are talking and there is no power, it means it's not the gospel. Because Paul is saying that the gospel is the power. The Greek word for power there is dunamis. The gospel is the dunamis. Unto salvation. In answer for everyone that believes. It goes further to say to the Jew first and to the Greek. Then verse 17, it now says, For therein, in this gospel, is the righteousness. That means you cannot find the righteousness of God any other place apart from the gospel. The law cannot give you the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Are we together? He said, For in this gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed, is unveiled. That means anytime you're hearing the gospel, the righteousness is being revealed to you. That means throughout these meetings, righteousness is being revealed. Am I communicating? Are we together? So, it's the gospel we're talking about. Yesterday I told you the components of the gospel. From 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. I showed it to you the components, the five components of the gospel. If those things are absent, then it's not the gospel. Because some people are preaching a bloodless gospel. The gospel is a bloody gospel. Amen. It's a blood-stained message. We cannot talk gospel and not talk blood. You know, some people don't even know the power of some things. See, spiritual things sometimes, if you're not, um, um, if you've not received light, you might not understand what they mean. You know, sometimes you, you have a situation. You say, in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the shorthand of the sacrifice of Jesus. When you say the name of Jesus, you are releasing blood too. Amen. Because the reason that name is powerful is because of the death of Jesus. So those components of the gospel. You see, the whole Bible, when I say the whole Bible, now I want to carry my iPad, but some of you might be confused. So if somebody has a real Bible, amen. <laughs> Someone, <laughs> I was going to a, a, a military um, a barrack or something like that. So I was driving in, and they wanted me to identify myself. So I said, I'm a pastor. Then he said, um, um, where's your Bible? So I brought out my iPad. He said, ah, ah, that's not Bible. <laughs> Glory to God. That's not Bible. Amen. See, I mean real Bible. <laughs> Glory to God. So, this Bible, real Bible, 
Glory to God. It only carries one message. The Bible does not have two messages. Are we together? Are you with me? No, it doesn't have two messages. One message. One message. Glory to God. You know something? It is one message. But for the Bible to arrive at that message, some things were said along the way. So, every other character in the Bible is along the way. Are you understanding me? And that's what some people don't understand. See, Hebrews 1 verse 1 clearly states, it tells us something powerful. It says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers through the prophets, is God that was speaking, has in these last days, what? Spoken unto us by who? His son. That means his son is his message. Amen. Jesus is his message. That means that everything God was trying to say from Genesis, all of it, when Jesus showed up, hallelujah, that was all God wanted to say. Jesus is God's final word. Jesus is God's complete message. Are you with me? That's all he's been trying to say. So when Jesus came, he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Now that changes how you read your Bible. Glory to God. Because now you know that everything about this Bible points to one person. You know someone said, the Bible is the book of God. I said, no, it's the God of books. This Bible, and I will say it again and again, that if you don't understand Second Timothy 2.15, it says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Meaning that this gospel, understand the covenants. Understand that there was an old covenant and a new covenant. And that you are not in any way associated with the old covenant. It's just that for you to appreciate the new, you have to understand how the old was. That the basis of the new is that there was an old. The Old Testament on its own cannot save you. Jesus had to show for salvation to happen. Nobody up until when Jesus walked the face of the earth was born again. I hope you know that. Nobody was born again. Peter, Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, Peter, James, John, they all got saved after Jesus resurrected. You know when they got saved? In the upper room. So, Moses was not born again. Hallelujah. He had to wait for Jesus to die for they, for them to be discharged from Hades. Are we together? They had to wait. You can find that in the last verses of Hebrews chapter 10. It said that they could not be perfected without us. Amen. That means that all of them were in a place called Abraham's bosom, waiting for Jesus to die and resurrect. 
When Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible told us that departed saints were seen with Jesus. That's not the direction I wanted to go. So the whole Bible is Jesus. Did you hear me? You know, Jesus said, the law and the prophets, they all spoke about me. When we say the law, we're talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Alright? And then the prophets, the prophetic books. He said they all spoke about me. He didn't say some of them. He said they all, they all spoke about me. That means Genesis spoke of Jesus. Exodus spoke of Jesus. Leviticus spoke of Jesus. Numbers spoke of Jesus. Deuteronomy spoke of Jesus. You say, how? You see that in types and shadows and allegories, we see Jesus revealed in the law. You are not under the law. You were actually never. The Jew was the one that God entered into covenant with. I told you yesterday, God didn't even enter covenant with you. He entered into a covenant with Jesus. And Jesus brought you into the covenant. That's the new covenant. Amen. That's the new covenant. The promise was made to Abraham's seed. Singular. And not seeds as of many. Galatians 3.16 And so, the reason why a man gets saved is because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Are we together? If a human being lives his life, he never commits a sin at all. He never does anything wrong. He doesn't qualify him for heaven. The only ticket to heaven is the blood of Jesus. Amen. Are we together? Not your blood. Not your goodness. You've read scripture. For by grace are ye saved through faith, not of works, lest what any man should boast. Today what I'm talking about is there is blood in Zion. Part 2. <laughs> Amen. I'm coming there. I'm coming there. I'm just helping those that join the bus along the way. Amen. Glory to God. So, I just lay some basics, then we'll get to Hebrews 12, 24. Alright? And the first thing I want to establish here is that our salvation is solely by grace. Amen. Nobody could be saved without Jesus. You know, have you preached to people before? And then when you preach to them, they say, I would like to give my life to Christ. But you see, I want to arrange my life first. You understand? I want to stop all the things I'm doing. Then I will come and give my life to Christ. If you could do it, you don't need Jesus. Are you listening to me? Then you don't need Jesus. You don't need Jesus. The reason why a man will go to hell is that he rejected what Jesus did for him. Are you listening to me? Yeah? That is what God sees as pride. Amen. Are we together? Pride is that I can do it by myself. See, what offended God the most about the Jewish people was that when God told them all the things to do, he told them to say, ah, we cannot. They say, Lord, we will do it. That's an okay. It's not just that's an okay. That's an okay. That's an okay. I will do it. I will do it. I say, eh. Okay. <laughs> Amen. 
Then they started trying to do it. Glory to God. And the more they tried, the more they failed. The more they tried, the more they failed. Are you understanding me? The more they tried. The purpose of the law was man should come to the end of himself. So he will know that salvation can only come from God. It never ceases to amaze me how somebody today picks up the law and starts cramming it to function in it. The Bible says, now you are delivered from the law. Why? Because you are dead. When Christ died, you died with him. That death was your divorce. Is now this addresses the Jew. Are you understanding me? It was he, even the Jew is dead to the law. That means that the law has come to an end. It has come to a close. Do you know that even the Jewish people today are not offering sacrifices? Do you know? They're not. Do you know why? Because they are waiting for the tabernacle to be built. Are you understanding me? See the irony of it. They are not even offering sacrifices. So it means that there is no hope except Jesus. Am I communicating? If you want to follow the law, they don't have to follow the law one in parts. It's all or nothing. Are you understanding me? The law is all or nothing. Thou shalt not wear that which pertained to a woman. You cannot take only that one. You must also offer animal sacrifice for your sin. Amen. So if you are not offering animal sacrifice for your sin and you are picking out one thing from the law, you are, you are not wasting your time. Amen. You are guilty of all. Amen. So you pick out one thing from the law and try to obey it. Then you forget that the law does not allow you to mix linen and cutting. Amen. How are you dressed? The law was not meant to be taken in bits and pieces. It's all or nothing. If you fail in one, you fail in all. Nobody could meet the demands of the law. There's nobody. Moses that was presenting the law, that went from the mount and brought the law, even him was not living by law. I've told you that before. He was not living by the law. It was for them. Amen. Glory to God. He was not living by the law. He married a, a woman that is not a Jew. God did not kill him. Meaning that the law was for them. Amen. <laughs> it was not for him. When Miriam even spoke, you saw what happened. Amen. Am I communicating? The law says that, see, look, look, look. If God is around here, don't be around because you are not pure. To be around God. But Moses was with God. And telling him, show me your back now. Show me your, show me your, show me your face. Are you understanding? Meaning that he was not under the law. Listen to me. The law was not to the benefit of any man. Understand that. I came here to explain something to you. In Romans 10, 4, the Bible says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. The law has finished its purpose. Its purpose has been fulfilled. Jesus came to fulfill the purpose for which the law was given. Can I move on? You got it. Hallelujah. So lift your hand and say, I'm saved by grace. Alright? Now, I'll enter from Romans 3. You know, there are times people read scripture and they miss the point. So I'm going to start from a very funny scripture. In Romans the third chapter, I'm going to go read 24, 25, and 28. 
In Romans, let's start from 23. In Romans 3, verse 23, popular scripture, it says, for all have sinned. This is what unbelievers always carry. This is what unschooled believers also always carry. They say, you see, you say you are not a sinner. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No, no, no. You cannot take a statement out of context. It's just like I'm discussing with somebody and then I say, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm talking to someone and I say, do you know what that guy said? He said, I will kill you. And all you heard was, I will kill you. You say, pastor wants to kill somebody. Amen. You have taken me out of context. You are quoting me out of context. So, for you to say that this scripture is saying that all have sinned. So, you too, you are a sinner. I am not a sinner. I said, I am not a sinner. No, no, no. You didn't hear me. I am not a sinner. I am not even a sinner saved by grace. No. I am the righteousness of God. So, let me explain this now. He's saying that all of mankind, maybe I'll take it a, a verse, previous one, one verse before, and then we'll read into. He said, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith. This righteousness of God is what? Is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all. Did you see that? Unto all and upon all that believe, for there is no difference. Now he's, he's trying to explain between Jew and Greek. In after all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What sin did was that it disconnected man from the glory of God. It made man to lack in the glory of God. He now said, you see, go back, go back to 23, the King James. You see a semicolon. Hallelujah. Are we together? Which means that he's not finished saying what he's talking about. So, verse 24 now says, being justified. These all that have seen, all of them have been what? Justified freely by His grace. Are we together? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So, we are justified by what? By grace. Hold that thought in your mind. Say, I'm justified by grace. What does justification mean? To be justified means that you have been declared right. In the sight of God, you are declared right. Are we together? That's justification. Legally. Legally. Not that you are claiming a right, no. You have been legally declared right. So, you are justified freely by His grace. Hold that in your mind. But at the same time, in Romans 3, verse 28, it now says something else. It said, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So, he has told us, number one, we're justified by what? Grace. Now he's telling you, you are justified by what? Faith. Hold that in your mind. The same justification. You are justified by grace. You are justified by faith. I show you another justified by faith. Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So, say, I'm justified by grace. Say again, I'm justified by faith. But now, let me show you another one. In Romans 5, verse 9, it now tells us here, it says, much more than, being now justified by His blood, 
we shall be saved from wrath through him. That means that we are justified by grace, we are justified by faith, we are justified by blood. Amen. So let me connect it now. We are justified by God's grace. We are justified by our faith through the blood. Amen. So our faith is in blood. Glory to God. Our faith is in blood. Say my faith is in blood. Romans 3.25 Romans 3.25 Now Romans 3.25, give it to me Whom God, he's talking about Jesus Jesus whom God has set forth To be a propitiation Through faith In who? In his blood Say faith in his blood Faith in his blood Faith in his blood Faith in the sacrifice Our faith Is in that blood that was shed for us our trust and confidence is in that blood. Are we together? That was shared for us. So God had set Jesus as a propitiation. The word propitiation means someone that was brought as a substitute. He's standing to take our place. He's appeasing God on our behalf. Hallelujah. Are we together? He's a propitiation. God set Jesus as a propitiation for us. So our faith in that blood is what makes the difference. Did you get that? Okay, so having said that, we are not like the Jews. The Bible says, now we get to Hebrews 12. In Hebrews 12, maybe we'll kick off from 22. It says, for ye are come unto Mount Zion. He didn't say we are coming. We have come. Say, I have come. I am there. Glory to God. Previous verses, he mentioned, he said, no, 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 no. You are not like those that came to Mount Sinai. You've come to a place. The day you got born again, salvation means that you have been brought into a place called Mount Zion. The other name for that place is that it is the city of the living God. The spiritual title of that place is that it is the heavenly capital of God. You've come to that place. Alright? We can read further. To an innumerable company of angels. Now, the spirits you mingle with are angelic spirits. Are you with me? So where you've come to, you're not supposed to be having dreams where demons are still around you. No, no, no. You've come to a new place. You have come to an innumerable company of angels. There are angels around you and there's no space for demonic activity around you. That's where you've come to. That's where you are. You're not on your way. You are in Zion. If you're born of God, you are in Zion. You live in the city of God. Verse 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirit of just men made perfect. 24. And to Jesus, so you've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenants, and to the blood of sprinkling. Amen. Say, I've come to blood. There's blood in Zion. Say, there's blood in Zion. We've come to the fountain. Hallelujah. That has been opened over the house of David. And that fountain was opened for sin and uncleanness. According to Zechariah 13 verse 1. He prophesied that a fountain will be opened. A fountain will be opened. A fountain will be opened. A fountain not of water. A fountain that cleanses sin. That fountain is a fountain of blood. 
That's why the Bible is saying in the New Testament that that's where you have come to. Where you've come to is a fountain of blood. It's not a blood that spoke. It's not a blood that will speak. It's a blood that is speaking. Are we together? Get the, get, get the tenses. It's not a blood that spoke. If it spoke, then you will say, oh, there was a time. If it will speak, then you say there will be a time. But the scripture says it is speaking. It is speaking. It is speaking. As we are here now, the blood is speaking. The blood of sprinkling is that fountain Zechariah spoke about that has been opened. That has been opened. You know, Jeremiah also said something along those lines. He said, hey, 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 I remember their sin no more. I remember their iniquity no more. Are you understanding me? Ezekiel repeated. He said, I will save them from their uncleannesses. Because that fountain is constantly open. And it is sprinkling continuously. Amen. Are you with me? There's a continuous sprinkling. A sprinkling. Look at what Hebrews 12, 24 said. Blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things. That means that this blood is speaking. But what is speaking is better. Is better. Is better than what Abel's blood spoke. Now we come to the fact that Abel's blood spoke. We know that Abel was murdered. And when Abel was murdered, Jesus also was killed. Are you understanding me? I hope you know that. But Jesus, his blood did not cry out for vengeance. Abel's blood cried out for vengeance. Abel was killed on earth. God in heaven said, you're the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me. That means right in heaven, the blood was crying and I heard. And then he said, because of Abel's blood, even the earth is angry. The earth will not yield her fruit to you. Now let me tell you, Jesus' blood did the opposite. When Jesus' blood was shed, the same thing. One thing is that the blood of Jesus cried out. Not just that. But Jesus himself, you find that in Galatians 9, took his blood and went into the holy place and obtained for you and I eternal redemption. Kai. No, no, no. This redemption was not a seasonal redemption. It was not a weekly redemption. It was not a monthly redemption. Not a quarterly. Eternal. Ever say eternal redemption. He obtained for you and I an eternal redemption. Yesterday I explained to you the difference between atonement and redemption. What we have is greater than an atonement. Are we together? Our sins were not covered. No, 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 no. They were not covered. They were not covered. To be addressed later. No. Eternal redemption was obtained for us. Kai, are you with me? And see, this makes a world of difference. When you know that Jesus shed his blood. I told you what happened on the cross. Listen, listen. Let me just mention this to you quickly. Now, it's important to know that. Let me extract all the history. And just get to the point. Now, Jesus had to die a bloody death. If blood was not shed, our sins would not have been forgiven. If they had killed Jesus by strangling him, your sins would not be forgiven. If they had killed Jesus by electrocution, your blood, will not, your, your sins would not have been forgiven. Jesus' blood had to be shed for your sins to be forgiven. Oh, glory to God. Now, history has it that it was not even long before that time that crucifixion was now used as government way of killing criminals. 
That means that God had to wait, amen, for a time where blood of Jesus will be said. Remember the scripture. He said, almost all things by the law are purged through blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. So the blood of Jesus had to be shed. If Jesus had died in his sleep, your sins would not have been forgiven. If he died any other way, your sins would not have been forgiven. His blood had to be shed. Now understand something. This blood shed, the, the, the literal, literal, literal picture painted of us is that his blood was drained out. Hmm. There's a scripture I need to show you. Time. Scripture. Time. <laughs> Do you know that in the 22nd Psalm, he said his soul was poured out unto death. What God was saying in that scripture is the same context in which in Africa, we pour libation. Are you understanding me? To the gods. God poured out Jesus as libation to settle the earth forever. That means that, listen to me, death has been appeased on your behalf. The earth has been appeased on your behalf. Now we're coming home because if you don't understand this thing, you cannot understand takeover and inheritance. You can't understand it. You can't understand it. Blood, 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 blood has been shed. <laughs> Glory to God. So the death Jesus died, blood had to be shed. So you think, listen, let me explain two things that were specific about the death of Jesus. Number one was that blood had to be shed. Number two is that a bone shouldn't be broken. Do you know that when they carried out those sacrifices in the old covenant, they don't break the bone of the lamb. No. Read it, read it. Even read Exodus 12. We'll come there. They don't break the bone of the lamb. The bone will not be broken. So Jesus also proving that he is the lamb of God. His bones will not be broken. So on that cross, the soldier came and looked. And then the criminal had not died. And then he looked at the other one. They are hardened criminals. They don't die like that. They've not died. Then Jesus was dead. Are you sure he's dead? Are you sure he's dead? Are you sure he's dead? So they broke the legs of the other guys. There was no need to break his leg. That's the excuse the soldier would give. Why didn't you break his leg? There was no need because it was there. No, prophecy is being fulfilled. That's how people will give excuse when prophecy is being fulfilled in your life. There will be a genuine excuse. They say because, because. But you know that there is a divine hand. Amen. There is a divine hand at work. If you ask them, they'll say, no, he was already there. That's why we didn't break it. No, 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 no. The scripture has said in the Psalms, none of his bones shall be broken. How to identify the one that is sent, the Messiah. None of his bones will be broken. Then secondly, blood had to be shed. Oh. Are you understanding me? Now forget, they've whipped him. They've done all that. They've done all of that. Um, in another subsequent teaching, I'm going to talk deeper about the sevenfold sprinkling. Amen. Alright, but see, all those things have happened. But something happened. The soldier, you don't think, you don't think the soldier was just a busybody. No, 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 no. Prophecy was moving him. Are you understanding me? That's how prophecy will be moving people. It was moving him. Glory to God. 
So, something had to be fulfilled. Jesus on that cross, he said, he saw his dead, he saw his dead. He took his spear. As he was taking his spear, why didn't he pierce his leg? Why didn't he pierce his throat? Why did, are you understanding me? The Bible said he pierced him by the side. Let's, let's go back to Adam. Adam was going along. God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. That deep sleep is symbolic of the death of Jesus Christ. We are not told how many days Adam slept, but I would be surprised if it was three days and three nights. And then God also took from his side. That side is the same way Jesus' side also was pierced. And when God made Adam sleep and took from his side, he brought out Eve. In the same way, the church will come out of the side of Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you getting me? So Adam, that's a type of Christ. Adam was called Adam, but Jesus was called the last Adam. So we go back to Jesus. Now Jesus was standing, was on that cross, and the soldier came and took a spear and pierced his side. Blood and water came out. The blood had to touch this earth you are working on. Because this earth has to be a witness that the payment has been made. <laughs> are you understanding me? So blood touched the earth. This earth you and I are working on, the earth knows that blood has been shed. Are you understanding me? The earth is a witness. That's what First John was telling you. He said, look, 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 look. On earth, the witness is blood, water, and the spirit of Jesus that was discharged. Are you understanding me? That's the witness that Jesus died. No arguments. No arguments. That's why circumstances should not argue with you. I told you that what faith is. What is faith? Faith is you showing the receipts of payment that has been made. And collecting the goods. Amen. That's what I told you. Are you understanding me? Listen to me. These things you are hearing. Your life has exploded. Are you understanding me? On every side. I told you. This year God told us. He said, arise and your light is come. This light, this word that's coming is your light. Your light has come. The revelation, the revelation that makes the difference. It has come. So nothing will stop you from shining. <laughs> Hey, sit down if you can. So, Jesus was pierced and blood was shed. And the blood touched the earth. <laughs> See, ownership. Ownership. You know, I explained something to you about takeover and inheritance. Inheritance is exercising ownership rights. That day, blood had been shed. The Bible says that because of the blood of his cross, he had reconciled all things unto himself. Meaning that when Jesus shed that blood, it was a payment that was being made. And then scripture was fulfilled. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Never be apologetic about collecting a land. It's your own. We own the street. I hope you know that. I own the street. I hope you know that. I, I said I own the street. I hope you know that. I own the streets. You know, listen to me. This blood should enter your eye. <laughs> Amen. Be intoxicated with what has happened. Say there is blood in Zion. Say there is blood in Zion. Glory to God. Are you getting something? Should I go further? 
Alright, now, I want you to understand something. You see, even the whole... See, I told you something about the Bible. And that everything is about Jesus. Jesus was referred to as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin. John 1.29 The sin of the whole world. And I've explained that earlier, so I won't go back there. But I want you to understand that even the Jewish people, if they look closely, they will see that all through what they were doing, the story was about Jesus. They had the Jewish feast. They had seven Jewish feasts. Some of you know that. Okay? The Jewish feast is simply the, the message of the Bible. The story of redemption. Are you understanding me? That's what the whole feast were. They always, and the Jewish year starts with the first feast, which is the Passover. We're going to come to Passover. Then after Passover, the second feast is unleavened bread. After the unleavened bread, the third one is the first fruit. After the first fruit, the fourth one is harvest. After harvest, the fifth one is trumpets. After trumpets, the sixth one, um, uh, where am I? Six? I skipped one. Okay? Then the day of atonement is the sixth one. The seventh one is the feast of tabernacles. Now, understand Jewish calendar. The Jewish calendar starts with Passover and ends with tabernacle. That's the story of redemption from beginning to the end. How? Passover, the death of Jesus. Christ is our Passover. Everything begins there. Hallelujah. Are we together? That's why anytime after Jesus is referred to as the last days, the last days began from the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Are we together? So the Passover, the first four feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruit harvest, are about the first coming of Jesus. The last three, trumpets, day of atonement, and tabernacles, is the second coming of Jesus. So the whole story of the opening age and the closing of the age is captured in the Jewish feast. Am I communicating? That means that all the while, God was trying to tell the story. Amen. Are you with me? Trying to tell the story of redemption, of Jesus. So, it started with Passover, then we have the unliving bread. We are the unliving bread. Hallelujah. That after Jesus dies, see, there will be no sin anymore. The unliving bread means that it is a bread without yeast. Yeast is symbolic of sin. The first fruit, Christ, I have a teaching on Christ, our first fruit. You can go and get it. Christ is our first fruit. Listen, because of his deaths, God had a harvest. But the harvest, you know, what is first fruit? It's the early harvest. Amen. Alright? So Christ resurrected first. As the first fruit, we will follow. Amen. Glory to God. So we were going to, we we're going to follow. If the first fruit be holy, the Lord also is holy. Then the fourth one is the harvest. The harvest was 50 days after the Passover. That's what happened at Pentecost. Amen. Are you with me? That's what happened at Pentecost. The Holy Ghost came. And now we're still in the feast of harvest now. Are you understanding me? Where we are in the calendar of God is that we're in the feast of harvest. What we're waiting for is the feast of trumpets. Jesus to show and blow and we take off. Amen. After the trumpet sounds and we are caught up to be with the Lord, then the day of atonement, Jesus will now, the, God's plan for the Jews will now come back. Amen. Are you with me? 
That's the atonement. Then finally, the Bible says that we will ever dwell with the Lord. That's the tabernacle. Amen. So the story of the Jewish feast is the story of the entire Bible. Amen. Amen. Understand that. This was not in the plan. So it just came. Now, but let me say this to you. When that dawns on your spirit, you know that you are not an accident in Nigeria. You are a manifestation of prophecy. Glory to God. Lift your right hand and say, I'm a manifestation of prophecy. Say, I'm a manifestation of prophecy. Glory to God. Are we together? So I'm a manifestation of prophecy. We are children of God. We have a loving father. A loving father. He said, we should have come boldly. To what? To the throne of grace. I was teaching someone and I was explaining to them. I said, look, in the Old Testament, they talked about the tabernacle. And they talked about the fact that there was a place called the mercy seat. It was a lead over the ark. Are you understanding me? It's called the mercy seat. And the mercy seat is not the correct translation of that place. Because God is a king. He doesn't sit on a seat. Did you hear me? Where does he sit? On a throne. So, the New Testament in Hebrews captured the real name. That place they call mercy seat is throne of grace. So, when the sacrifice of the blood atonement was made, they always take blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seats. So, the throne of grace has already welcomed you. Amen. Jesus went in there and offered blood on your behalf. Full payments. Full payment was made. I said full payment was made. Full payment was made. Glory to God. Now, I'm going somewhere, but let me just branch and talk to you about something that will put millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions in your hand. Is the fact that if I wanted to summarize what the gospel is, I want to just put it to two things. What all of this is about. I'll say it this way. And the scripture, uh, a scripture will help me. Deuteronomy 6.23 will help me. And uh, Paul's calling in Acts 26 will also help me. In Deuteronomy 6.23, let's read it together. One to go. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swear unto our fathers. Please read it again one more time. And he brought us out he might bring us in. So the summary of it is that we were brought out to be brought in. Hey, are you with me? We were brought out of sin. See, the experience of the Jews in Egypt is like the experience of a man in sin. Amen. Are we together? A deliverer had to come and bring him out of Egypt. The same way a deliverer had to come and bring you out of sin. Are you with me? They could not bring themselves out. It had to be by a mighty hand. In the same way, no man can bring himself out of sin. Jesus had to bring you out. So, 
the promised land for the children of Israel is the salvation that me and you have entered. Amen. Hebrews 4 tells us that. It says they couldn't enter rest. Amen. The rest is what we have entered in Christ. Amen. Am I communicating? So this Deuteronomy 6 we're reading is telling us that God brought us out so that he will bring us in. Now, hold on. This is sad that some people maybe have been taught bringing us out is the message of forgiveness of sin. Amen. Are you hearing me? The message of forgiveness of sin is the bringing out. Bringing in is the message of inheritance. If you don't know that you've been brought out, you can never have the boldness to to enter your inheritance. Give me Acts 26, 18. Acts 26, 18. It's a summary. 18, not 15. Paul was telling us what his ministry was. His ministry is like my ministry. Amen. I hope you know. Alright. Paul is listening to my messages. He listens to my messages. Amen. <laughs> because, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I said, I got it from you. Amen. <laughs> to open their eyes. To open their eyes. And to turn them. That's what's happening in this meeting. Your eyes are being opened. And to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. Now, read the second part slowly. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. The word received there is lambano. Take it. They may what? Receive forgiveness of sins. Now, but that's not all. And. So, ever say forgiveness of sin? Inheritance. Forgiveness of sin? Inheritance. Hmm. Colossians 1. 12, 13. I'll pick one. Okay, let's use 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which had made us meet. Meet there is qualified. Huh? Fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Now, the forgiveness of sin is what qualifies you for the inheritance. That's why the devil fights the teaching on forgiveness of sin. Anybody that has not understood the message that his sins are forgiven will never walk in the fullness of his inheritance. That means that condemnation will hinder you from walking in the fullness of your inheritance. Are we together? Say, my sins are forgiven. Say it again, my sins are forgiven. You are not saying it like you believe it. Glory to God. Don't think it's Pastor Tibi that said it. It's scripture. Hallelujah. Your sins are forgiven. Permanently forgiven. Glory to God. Are we together? Very important to know that. That your sins are forgiven. Do you know that this knowledge of forgiveness of sin is the qualification required for a man to enjoy inheritance. Paul was speaking along these lines, I believe in Acts 20, 32. He says, I commend you 
to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you, that means the end of the day is for you to have that inheritance. There are a lot of believers that have not entered into the inheritance. Are you, are you with me? That's what Hebrews 4, 1 was saying. Let us therefore fear lest a promise left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. That you have been saved, but you've not come into the knowledge of the truth. That was my first scripture. Amen. Are you saying that? Because you are in between. Today, that shift has taken place. Hallelujah. Are we together? Say that shift has taken place. I know my sins are forgiven. Now, I'm talking about forgiveness. Some of you are saying, maybe you are just thinking another thing. Hear me. All the counseling you have been coming for. Amen. Every day, this one is worrying you. That one is worrying you. When you understand forgiveness of sin, you will live in victory. You will live in victory. I made you understand something about God. And I used the Old Testament to explain it. And I said that before the law, we saw the character of God. I don't know, you know, the, the image, the image they painted about God, the image they painted about God from the law has made us, if they ask you to paint an image of God, some of you is a monster you will paint. Are we together? Is a monster. Glory to God. Because of the law. I actually even heard a comedian, a comedian, um, is an American comedian, he was saying something along those lines. He's not saved. Amen. And you know what he said? He said something powerful that <laughs> I was listening. He said, do you know that he hears about the God of the Bible? But the only is like God, the God of the Bible, there are two gods. He said there should be a God of the Old Testament and another God of the New. Or something happened to God. And he said, he said, <laughs> the reason he is saying that is that the God of the Old Covenant was always angry. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. The God of the Old Testament was always angry. He says, do you know how angry that God was? God, the God was so angry that he called Abraham, bring your son, let's barbecue him. <laughs> that God asked a man to bring his son for barbecue. And then, what he was doing was gospel he was preaching without knowing. He's not a believer. He said, but he observed that in the New Testament, God was kind. And he feels because God now had a child. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to say, since after God had a child, amen, his attitude towards men changed. Glory to God. Did you get that? Say, God loves me. 
with an undying love, unfading love. The message of forgiveness is to know, to believe and know that God loves you. If he could give you his son, it's not 20 plots of land he cannot give you. Did you hear me? It's not car. What is car? What is house that he cannot give you? Amen. Are we together? Should I run? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So lift your hand and say, God loves me. Say it again. My sins are forgiven. Glory to God. So the essence of forgiveness of sin is that you will partake of your inheritance. That's the scripture we just read in Colossians 1. Amen. Verse 12. Alright? That you may be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. He has qualified. That word meets is made you fit. Qualified. Say I'm qualified for the best things of this life. I am qualified. Now, oh, listen. I don't know what you are believing God for this year. I want you to say, I am qualified. I mentioned that thing. If it's a husband, if it's a wife, it's a child, say, listen, God has qualified me. Say it. God has qualified me. Yes. I'm qualified. Nothing disqualifies you. Blood has qualified you. Glory to God. Sinner. That's why, even when you see the scriptures, Jesus in book of Revelations manifested himself. Hey, I can't read all of the scripture, but I'm reading to you from one to the end. Amen. Of Revelations 5. In Revelations 5, we were told that there was a scroll. Amen. Nobody could open. Glory to God. And there was so much weeping because nobody was found worthy to open it. And then they said, weep not. For the lion, give me verse 4 into 5. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Verse 5. One of the elders said unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, have prevailed to open the book and to lose the seven seals. Now hold on. Who did they say had prevailed? The lion of the tribe of Judah. Watch. Watch the drama. They said, here comes the lion. Then we are waiting. Maybe we are hearing footsteps. Lion is coming. Lion is coming. Read down. Let's see what came. Verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood what? A lamb. As it had been, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent for it to the earth. No, no, no. They introduced a lion, but we saw a lamb. Hold on. They introduced a lion, but we saw a lamb. So this same Jesus is a lion, but he's also a lamb. The message of the cross is that the, li- the lamb and what he came to do was to make you function like a lion. The lamb is symbolic of the forgiveness of sin. The lion is the inheritance. Dominion. Are you understanding me? So, Jesus 
But the truth is this. You can never enjoy inheritance if you don't see him first as the lamb. The lamb slain. Are you understanding me? The lamb slain. This brings me to what grace is. There are two aspects of the grace of God. We first, what the first thing everybody should be taught is about the liberties of grace. But the liberties of grace should bring you into the empowerment of grace. Are you understanding me? Alright? So, but the truth is, you can't embrace the empowerment of grace without first embracing the liberties of grace. The liberty of grace is that your sins are forgiven past, present, and future. Are you with me? You, so you cannot embrace the empowerment without first receiving the liberty of grace. Say it again, my sins are forgiven. That, that statement, say it a dozen times over, 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 and over again. My sins are forgiven. Revelations 5.12 Since we're here. Now, when blood was shed, blood was not just shed for forgiveness of sin. It was shed for inheritance. Say it was shed for inheritance. I like this one. I like this one. I like this one. Amen. I like this one. I like, this is a good time to say, stay tuned. <laughs> blood was shed not just for your sins to be forgiven. It was shed for you to have the inheritance. The Bible said that Abraham was made the heir of the whole world. You know what heir means? That means he inherited the earth. Are we together? And that it was in the name of Jesus the promise was made to the seed of Abraham. Now the scripture said, when you now got born again, you became a joint heir with Christ. And you are heirs of God through Christ. How did that happen? See, a transaction had taken place. That gave you a right. You see, you're not just some God not just telling you, go and take that thing. He has paid for everything. Are you understanding me? He's not just saying you go and take it, go and take it. You know, if, if, let me give an instance now. If I tell you, go to the fast food down the road and take two plates of food. You might be happy. Then you say, have you paid, sir? Let's suppose you get there. You say, give me two plates of food. They say, where's your money? He said, well, my pastor said, I, you know why you don't have confidence? You don't know whether I've paid. Let me tell you a story. It's with Pastor Data's story. Um, she was a pastor of Benin Church and they hosted me for a program last year, right? <laughs> and they put me in a fantastic hotel, you know? Wonderful one. Put your hands together for... And since after then, the new pastor too put me in the same hotel. Because he cannot lower the standard. Alright, so, 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 she put me in a fantastic hotel, you know, and they were in faith to put me in that place. So when I got there, 
um, I was leaving, we had to travel back, we were going by road, we had to travel back to Portacourt early in the morning. So we left about 6, 7, uh, or 6, 30 or thereabout, quite early. So I am entitled to breakfast. And they had, you know, there is breakfast, so. Uh, there is breakfast that if you are going, you would do like this. Hey. You know, so breakfast. And so I was leaving, and because of how early we were leaving, you know, so they came to help me pack, and we all left. So I now told, I said, um, we're leaving. Why don't you take the breakfast? You know, after I was supposed to check out from the room by 12, but I'm leaving by 6. And she had, you have had a long day. You can even, you book, I even stay there. Are you understanding me? Till 12, and then you check out. So they were happy. On my way, she now went to sit down to eat. But you know, sometimes some hotel staff could be funny. They knew that I had checked out. So they said, the, somebody has already eaten the food. She said, so she called me and said, did you eat? I said, what time will I, did I wake up by 3 a.m. to eat? And here's an You know, I said, no, no, don't mind them. Um, the place is already paid for, eat the food. Now imagine after the phone call, when she now knows that it's her rights. It has been paid for. You know, you will go and collect the egg. Are you understanding me? <laughs> Are you understanding me? What is the boldness? Something was paid. Are you understanding me? It's the same way God wants you to enter into the systems of the world knowing that something was paid. Amen. Are you understanding me? Something was paid. You, it's not for free. Blood transaction has taken place. <laughs> I'm in Revelations 5. I'm trying to read it. Hmm. Let me read 11 into 12. So you understand. And, be, and I beheld and I heard the voice. Don't be in a hurry to go today. Don't be in a hurry to go today. You went early yesterday. You went early on Tuesday. You went early on Monday. I will collect it today. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Verse 12. And uh, saying, sorry, saying with a loud voice. What were they saying? Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive pause. Let's take that part again. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive pause. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. He was slain to receive something. That means the slaying of the lamb was a transaction. He was slain to receive. And I tell you, he received. He received what was slain for. And let me end by saying it. Just jump to the end. He received it for you. What he received, he received for you. So I want to list out what he received on your behalf. So this is what happened. What is the land that was slain to receive power? Amen. So when he was slain, he received power. That power is for you. He received power for you. In the blood transaction, power was part of the exchange. 
power was part of the exchange. That power there is dunamis. There was part of the exchange. That means that you have a right to be in custody of God's power. Oh, see, you have a right to be in custody of God's power. Are you understanding me? The same way God manifests his power, you, because of the land that was slain, you have a right to be armed with God's power. You know, you know, in America, they will ask you, um, there's a language they used to use. You know, a young man used to drive me around. Not young man, he's older than I am. <laughs> he used to drive me around. And then he said to me, he said, man of God, I'd like to give you a gift in America. I said, what? He said, I can organize a gun for you. <laughs> say what a gift so he said that you know we, you, you could get um, a, a, li- um, a license to carry they call it a right to carry alright now I'm telling you when the lamb was slain you have a right to carry <laughs> dunamis right to carry the power of God in your life secondly he couldn't even wait till he said you have a right. When the lamb was slain, it was slain for you to receive riches. I can stop here. This riches is not talking about spiritual intangible riches. He was talking about dollars, pounds, naira, gold, silver. Was talking about the real McCoy money, amen. That means that blood was shed for you to receive money in this life. That the transaction that took place when Jesus died on the cross, it made a demand that money should come to you whenever you need the money, whenever you want it. You can say, Money, come to me now in the name of Jesus. It will answer you because blood was shed. What is the lamb that was slain to receive riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing? For the purpose of tonight, I want to stop at the part that he said the lamb was slain for you to receive riches. Amen. Riches. Say riches. The lamb was slain for me to receive riches. Glory to God. Now, 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 hold on, hold on. See, blood had been shed. Remember that in Abel's time, when blood was shed, we heard voice. Now, this blood of God has been shed. There's a voice speaking for you. There's a voice speaking for you. It's calling money. It's calling money. Calling money. Even the people of this world understand rituals through human blood. And when they do the rituals, it does not matter what business they do. Are you understanding me? It doesn't matter what business they do. Once they have shed blood, you yourself you will see. You say, ah, eh, after his mama died, eh, after his sister, after, are you understanding me? Now I want to say, after Jesus died. <laughs> after Jesus died. After Jesus died. Something happened. I told you. I told you what blood is. I told you what blood is. Blood. Blood is the mysterious link between matter and spirits. When blood is shed, blood summons spirits. Are you understanding me? Blood summons spirits. When they shed blood, demonic spirits show up. In the same way, when the blood of God is released, angels show up. 
Today, today, you want to summon spirits. In this communion we're taking today, you are summoning spirits. And you're going to tell them, money should come to me. They will enter into the economic systems of this world and bring money to you. As you summon spirits, jobs will be released to you. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me. This blood, the qualification of this blood is more than a PhD. The qualification of this blood, are you understanding me? Say, what a PhD will not deliver, blood will deliver. Have you not seen illiterates, stark illiterates? They will go and do blood ritual and all of a sudden he's a millionaire. Which school qualified him for that money? It's blood that qualified him for that money. And the money keeps coming. Business is working. Things are flowing. Things are flowing. All he does is that he makes sure that he's sponsoring that ritual. Yes, he's maintaining the ritual that keeps the blood flowing. Today, you will maintain this ritual. You will maintain this ritual. Are you understanding me? That's why the communion is important. In Acts 246, in the old early church, they daily broke bread, not once a week, daily. Why? Daily, every day they will take blood, they will take blood, they will take bread, they will take blood. Why? They were making sure that the ritual is constantly maintained. Are you understanding me? So that blood keeps speaking for them. When you go to your office, break bread, take communion. Are you understanding me? You go to your shop, break bread, take communion. You keep summoning spirits in your office, summoning spirits in your house, summoning spirits around your compound. Listen to me. How do you think this property you are standing in entered our hand? Blood. Throughout the month of November, I will take blood. I will declare, Legacy Hall belongs to me. Legacy Hall belongs to me. Now I'm declaring, Abacha Road belongs to me. We're summoning, we're summoning, we're summoning, we're summoning. Remember, you came to a new numerical company of angels. Those angels move when blood, when blood, when blood, when blood is invoked. The communion is an, is a declaration. Enter, you take the communion, you summon spirits on your behalf. Kaparataya. Retosopretia. The believer in Christ has the most dangerous ritual at his disposal. You have communion, you have tongues, you are too much. Communion mixed with tongues, they are weapons of mass destruction. Amen. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? We have taken over. We have taken over. We have taken over. We have taken over. You are a pastor here. How do people come to church? You are you are you are a businessman. How do people come to your business? Keep summoning, come on. They will just be turning, they'll be coming, they'll be coming. Why? Blood is summoning them. Blood is summoning them. Hey, time will not allow me. Listen to me. In Exodus 12, keep standing. In Exodus 12, God told them, in the children of Israel, He said, hey, 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 come, come, come. Come and do the Passover. Spill blood. Put it on your doorpost. He now told them, He said, after you do that blood sacrifice, two things you must do. Number one, get up your loins. Put on your sandals. Carry your staff. Because the moment this blood transaction happens, you can enter the inheritance. So today, as you take this communion, tomorrow morning, go and do that thing that you could not do. Trust the sacrifice. Trust the sacrifice. 
as you take this blood, you will enter into that place. You will see that spirits have been summoned on your behalf. The second thing the children of Israel were told to do, he said to them, that should be verse 36 of Exodus 12. He said, go and meet the Egyptians. The Lord has brought you into favor with the Egyptians. A slave will meet his master and say, give me your gold. He remove it and put it in his hand. He said, give me your, give, give me your necklace. They will give them. They don't even know why they are doing it. The Bible said God had brought them into favor with the Egyptians. That means that this blood brings you into favor with people that will never have favored you. Today, as you take this communion, go out there. It will be as if they put something in your mouth. When you open your mouth, they will answer you. You make a demand, the demand will be granted. Watch and see. Listen to me. Tonight is a miracle through communion. Favor breaks forth through communion. <laughs> As we are taking communion, we are summoning Portaco City to come here. We are summoning Portaco City to come here. Listen to me. Listen to me. These things are spiritual. Pray in tongues a little. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Taking the message of faith around the world.